0: are listening to Linux in the Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
1: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 479 of Linux in the Shack. This is our Deep Dive episode, so welcome in. We're glad you're here. Cheryl is actually going to be on assignment this week, as she is for most of the Deep Dives, because we don't really talk about stuff that she knows about, so she chooses to do something else. Which, you know, uh, you know, I can sort of understand that, and uh, maybe we'll start picking a topic that she can participate in, or we'll see. But anyway, in the meantime, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves, at least the two of us who are here. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And this is kind of a follow up episode from the last episode. Now maybe the first time that a weekender has generated a follow up episode, but what we're gonna do is uh, we, we had that little uh, discussion, if you will, in the last episode about the what we consider the best Linux distribution using our five bullet points as criteria for choosing said distribution. And we ultimately settled on Pop! OS. So
2: I suckered you into it.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah, you kind of did. But that's all right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to follow up and we're going to do a deep dive on Pop! OS. It's the 2204 version of Pop! OS. And uh, Bill's got a lot more experience with Pop! OS than I do, as was clearly evident in the last episode. But uh, I have done a lot of work with it over the past couple of days. And so I know a lot more about it now, but I'm going to let Bill lead this discussion because you have actually been running it for quite a while on various machines in the various
2: iterations. So let's uh, get into Pop! OS. Sure, and um, I should probably open up with all the uh, <laughs> all the, uh Although the copy that we have for Pop! OS, it's been around for quite a while. It's a operating system kind of spun off of uh, um, System76 uh, and their hardware. <coughs> Just then, like, my throat's going to clog up here. But, yeah, Pop! OS is an operating system for STEM and creative professionals who use their computer as a tool to discover and create. Unleash your potential on secure, reliable, open-source software. And, of course, that comes right off their uh, their webpage as the, uh, the selling point for um, Pop!OS. And uh, I, I was kind of digging around into their support articles and stuff like this, and I, I thought this one would be interesting, too, to kind of open up with because Pop!OS is an Ubuntu-based uh, distribution. Uh, and uh, one of the support articles is the differences between Pop!OS and Ubuntu. And here they say, Pop!OS has evolved quite a bit since its 17.10 release, and while the easiest way to tell the difference between the two is by testing them out, uh, let's dive into the differences. And one of the questions posed here is, isn't this just a reskinned Ubuntu? And uh, they reply back with, this is a common question to come up, and one that makes our engineers cringe. Yes, Pop!OS has been designed with vibrant colors, a flat theme, and a clean desktop environment, but we created it to do so much more than just look pretty. And they do say in in parentheses here, although it does look very pretty, and I agree with that uh, to call it a reskinned Ubuntu brushes over all the features and quality of life improvements that pop developers have worked diligently to create for an in-depth look at the effort and manpower that goes into the updating, check out the roadmap and documentation, but I did notice that like a lot of the documentation as I was going through it was still all kind of based on 1904 <laughs> so some of the documentation does seem to be lagging behind the versions um but uh but for sure the operating system itself or or distribution is uh, is definitely uh pretty current uh obviously here on the 2204 LTS they are running gnome as the uh, default desktop or windowing environment and the version that is just released with this is 42.2 so, I think, I think he had mentioned 30 or something like that before. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was pretty sure it was on the 4 series. But yeah, 42.2 is the, uh, is the current revision. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, I've had it installed for quite a while on my XPS 13. I've talked about it numerous times, including the last episode and i 've been very very happy with it on uh, on the x p s thirteen in fact i've 've mentioned many times that it 's the best that machine has ever ran was <laughs> with uh, with pop OS I do like the fact that um, uh, the the Dell systems are are supported in the firmware management, so you can also update your firmware quite easily for the uh, the BIOS in those laptops i 'm um, almost considering messing around with it on this particular machine that i 'm I use for recording. Uh, that is running Garuda, but, uh, you know, so far, knock on some wood here. Uh, it has not, uh, it has not gone, uh, belly up. So, uh, I have not, have not really had the need to, uh, to do any distro hopping on this particular machine. Um, we did uh I, I know uh, I, I installed it again today just to kind of walk through the installer because Russ will probably talk a little bit about his installation woes that he had on his particular machine that he was testing out. But I uh I took a uh a, a Lenovo uh idea pad here. It's a Gen two i7 with about six gigs of RAM, so not a lot of memory. And it also has a has a m- magnetic disk in it, an old uh, 70 or uh, 750 uh, gig. Uh, 5,400 RPM disk drive or hard drive, and I went through the installation procedure using the NVIDIA um, ISO, which they do provide two different kind of ISOs. They provide one for just generic systems, and then one if you happen to have a hybrid graphics setup with NVIDIA and Intel generally and uh well i didn't get the nvidia portion working but this is a very old laptop and probably isn't considered <laughs> an nvidia winner uh i think it's a uh, you know 6000 series graphics that are actually in this so uh probably not not typically <laughs> supported <laughs> out of uh, the box on that but uh but yeah so so anyway <laughs> i didn't get the Nvidia support on this particular laptop when I went through the installer, but everything else did install properly it did uh it did upgrade on its first boot and uh it does it does have that nice interface when you do the install after you do that very first uh, post installation reboot. It does kind of walk you through uh, the OS to try to get things set up a little bit more, like if you want to connect your uh, social media accounts and whatnot to it, as well as setting your privacy settings to if you want location-aware services and stuff like that. Uh, so it, it, it has a, like, a lot of nice touches as well during the installer. Of course, you, you can do full encryption. This hard drive is way too small for that, so I, I did not for that but it is an a uh, available option right out of the bat to go ahead and do a full, fully encrypted hard drive which uh, for some people would be probably great especially if you're running on you know an NVMe or or an SSD that has plenty of speed and capability um but uh i don't think uh i don't think it's uh it would work for what i do cuz these boxes get changed out and hard drives get changed out so fast that <laughs> Just, I can't. Uh, I wouldn't be able to figure out I was like, oh, which system did this come out of, and what was the uh, decryption key, and you know, you don't want to put the same password on everything. So, but anyway, that was uh, that was the kind of the intro to PopOS and uh, and what it is, and my first, well, actually my second installation experience. So why don't we kind of touch base with Russ here and talk about your installation experience? Because you did run into some complications running the uh, 2204 LTS ISO image. I did, and it
1: may have something to do with the hardware in the machine that I was installing it on, and I'm going to tell you why sort of later on, or or we'll get around to why. So I, I did the 2204, I installed it the first time, and it installed just fine. Found the USB stick, went through the boot procedure, got through the live session, did the install. And then when it tried to shut down, it was hanging on, stopping the network devices. And it hung and hung and hung and hung. And then when we finally shut down the network devices, and then it would start throwing block errors from the USB stick. So I was thinking, oh, well, maybe the USB stick is hosed. So I burned the image on another USB stick. Did the installation again, same problem again. So don't know what was going on there. So I decided to install it on under Hyper-V in Windows. And I did it using the same ISO image and got through the installation just fine and had no problems with that. Rebooted cleanly, was able to configure, no problem. But I was actually interested in doing a bare metal install, not a VM install. So I went through the installation procedure again. It bombed again, same exact way. And I was like, okay, there's there's something goofy here. So I went on a hunt for an older ISO image. I looked for the twenty oh four LTS of Pop OS, which is out there, but it's very hard to find. They don't really they don't really make it easy to get to. They want you to have the latest version. Unfortunately, the latest version was causing me some headaches. But it turns out that if you take the URL for the new version and change 22.04 everywhere you find it to 20.04 that's where you'll find the ISO. And I was able to download it, burn that onto a USB stick, do the install, and that installation went great. No problems with lockups, no problems with hanging. There were several features missing, primarily like the dock stuff and and some of the other features in the latest version of Pop! OS. But I then decided that I would just go from there and do the upgrade to 22.04. So I went to, you know, I did all the package updates and then I did a do release upgrade. And when you do do release upgrade, it says that command does not exist. (laughs) So they don't use Ubuntu's release upgrade facility. They use, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up right now because I've already forgotten what exactly it was called. So let me, let me just SSH into my Pop OS box, like live on the show. Oh, except uh, SSH is not running on that box. <laughs> so maybe you can run the command on yours. Just do like type do release upgrade on your machine and tell me what the command actually is, because it'll work yeah, so on it,
2: yours. Yeah, it says uh, use uh, pop dash upgrade space release space upgrade instead.
1: Yes, and I did that, and it took a really really long time. <laughs> but I'm on an old Inspiron 3251 with celeron processor two core with like four gigs of ram or something and it it just took forever and ever and ever longest part of course was rebuilding all the locales that's one thing i don't like about pop os at least with ubuntu if you want to delete the the plethora of locales that it installs you can do that this one it just all all the dot, you know underscore whatever and they were all there and it had to rebuild them all so it took forever So once it actually got done with all of that, it rebooted, came back up, and then went through the post-installation wizard like it normally does for the 2204. So I was able to select my dark mode, my dock placement, and all that stuff. Link accounts, which I didn't actually link any accounts. And once all of that was done, I did an aptest upgrade again. So I could make sure all my packages were installed. I installed a bunch of stuff like the Ham Radio Pure Blend, blah 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 blah, bunch of utilities that I use and everything, and was all set to go. Kernel, of course, was updated during that process, so I went to reboot and it hung.
2: No, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just like after the the base twenty two oh four install, had the same exact issue after the upgrade. It, um, I, I even put the zero inside the uh, Proxys file system to uh, cancel out that 120-second uh, task hung issue, but it still would not reboot, no matter what. Now, if I if I do the shutdown mode and wait, like, a few seconds and then just power the machine off and power it back on, it works fine, but there's definitely some issue. But I've got everything installed. I've got it working. I've got a working system. Uh, I did notice that it's using x not wayland and that was nice for me because it means that barrier worked out of the box without me having to dick with it at all and uh the pure blend stuff was installed fine and i was using it i was actually chatting on discord earlier with bill before the show so so i got it working and i do like the aesthetic the the flat theme and it's colorful and bright and looks great and i love how the the uh, post-installation wizard allows you to set up your workspace button next to the applications in the upper left. makes it easy to get to your your different desktops. Of course, uh, Control-Alt-Up-and-Down will switch between them, so that's a nice thing. And, you know, so I've, I've been digging it so far. I'd really like to, to figure, out, figure out this uh, shutdown issue. might have to get with uh, System76 and their developers and see if they've seen this before, but uh, Google didn't find anything so so that's what i got for my install so far
2: yeah that's that's interesting yeah it's just one of those weird (laughs) weird anomalies that that didn't exist in 2204 uh, ubuntu right because you said you had that on that machine before
1: right i installed 2204 desktop edition straight from the ubuntu repo and that's what was running on that machine before the installation of pop os and had none of those issues at all so this is something specific to pop os and it's really goofy, and it may it may be something to do with the hardware. It might be some sort of crazy firmware bug or, or something. I mean, it's an all-embedded Intel machine, so it seems like that should just work. But, yeah, there's definitely some craziness. But other than the shutdown thing, it seems to be doing fine.
2: Well, that's good. <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't reboot ever, yeah, ever, don't, ever. Well, I'd like
1: to think I wouldn't have to, but...
2: Yeah, just uh, just shut it down and then bring it back up the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh that's uh, the gen- general experience that you should have is that it just works and uh yeah, the speaking of the UI, it does pr- provide you two different uh two different modes for looking at it. It has a dark mode and a light mode. I think they're both equally as attractive and easy to use. Um and a lot of those things, like the workspaces button and applications button and stuff like that, are also all controlled by the keys, like you mentioned. And that's one of the highlights of the uh, of Pop OS that they say is that uh, you know you can. Let's see their their keyboard navigation here. Arm yourself with Dark Lord level power at your fingertips. Use keyboard shortcuts to move resize resize windows, launch applications, search anything, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, they definitely tout the fact that it's a it's a keyboard friendly uh, windowing environment. And uh, generally, I I hide the workspaces button and the applications button because I only use the super key. (laughs) So 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 that's one of those things. They also have um, um, along with the workspaces. Uh, they have a stacking, which uh, allows to stack applications on top of one another, as well as I believe they have a tiling uh, ability too to tile the windows together.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things they tout on their website—the tiling ability—and it is built into it. There's a drop down for it. Yeah, I don't use that either. So yeah, I don't either. <laughs> tiling window managers it's it's that's one of those things like emacs versus vi if you if you grew up whatever using a tiling window manager that's all you want to do and i'm one of the people who didn't do that so i don't like it
2: and I, i imagine you're the same yeah exactly so yeah i pretty much just use the start button um to do everything uh although you know the launcher is nice because it does do a it does do a search as well, so you can find random stuff. Uh, if you happen to be looking for something on your uh, on your hard drive or in your home directory or something like that, you can find it that way. It does have the uh the old right well, I guess not old but like the gnome style uh start menu if you want to see all your applications they have a button specifically for it or you have the uh the applications at the very top which also exposes that but they uh, down in the dock they give you a a show applications button which gives you that same grid of all your applications that you then can you know again type in the application to uh to search it and uh, that all works uh, pretty flawlessly. It does uh, sort it by uh, by some folders. They have utilities, system, and office. You know, having did an, having installed the um, the ham radio pure blend here as well, which normally installs the ham radio menu that you see in some like uh, mate and cinnamon that have like a traditional start menu. You don't see those folders built into the uh, GNOME um, show applications menu. So that'll be one difference if you're if you're used to seeing that you don't have that traditional menu experience inside of this. But uh, I think I think for the most part you kind of get used to it, um, and the the fact that the dock is there, you know, I think it pretty much everybody's kind of used to having some sort of dock, even in in Windows. Windows 11 has kind of gone to a dock as well for for their uh, taskbar start menu where you can pin applications to that. So your frequently used applications, you can always keep pinned to your dock and uh, and then they're readily available just by, you know, clicking the uh, the app icon down in your taskbar or your dock. Um, going into the, some of the settings. Well, before, think-
1: you, before you rock on, <clears throat> yes, I, I will confirm that Windows 11 dock looks a lot like all of these. And secondly, uh, I, I do use barrier because I have one keyboard and mouse that I like to share between uh, currently four different machines here on my desk. And one problem is, and I don't know where this problem lies. I don't know if it's inside the GNOME UI. I don't know if it's inside barrier or whatever. But even though GNOME works, I try. I keep my dock auto-hid. And if you're using the local keyboard and mouse on the computer, the auto-hide works fine. But if you try and bring up the dock using the cursor controlled by the source keyboard and mouse from Barrier it doesn't work. Really? Yep. I don't know why that is, but it will not work. And one one thing I noticed is um, on like Ubuntu systems, if you press the Windows key, it will bring up the dock, right? So that you can uh, so you can get to that. But if you press the Windows key in Pop! OS, it doesn't do that. It, it brings up a centralized list of your currently running applications on that workspace. So it does not bring up the dock. Now, that may be a function of the fact that I'm pressing Windows on, on the Barrier server, because I, I didn't try it locally. So I don't know if it's different.
2: Well, no, it should, uh, like if you hit that, the Windows key, it's the, uh, it does bring up, you see the applications that are running as well as it gives you the search box to type in another app to start.
1: Yes, yes, I see that, but it does not
2: bring up the dock. Right, yeah, the dock gets hidden at that point. If you have it set up for hiding in or intelligent hiding.
1: Yes, which does not happen in Ubuntu. in Ubuntu it brings up the dock when you hit the Windows key.
2: Oh okay I haven't used Ubuntu in so long so <laughs> I don't know what the, uh, the actual experience is like that so I'm kind of used to used to that because this sort of just hides everything and and kind of dims out the uh, um, the background like, you know all your apps that are running on your desktop currently kind of just dims everything behind that modal dialogue that pops up. Right, I was just
1: trying to find some keystroke that I could use to bring up the dock, to bring the dock out of hiding, um, and I couldn't There's find it. There's got to
2: be a key bonding for that. <laughs> I'm sure there has to be, and I'm
1: going to need to find out what it is, because the way it's working now is not helping me out. Yeah, geez.
2: Well, speaking of the dock, <laughs> let's uh, let's just go quickly into the settings. Uh, the settings menu is very similar to uh, to GNOME. Uh, it's the, you know the default kind of setup. The nice part about, uh, about this is is that you have the ability to do certain things that used to only be available inside of, like, GNOME tweaks, if you remember that application, to, like, expose uh, you know, like your minimize buttons and stuff like that in your, your windowing environment uh, because GNOME, you know, by default, just has the uh, minimize and the uh, close for windows to appear. And you can actually change that behavior directly inside of the uh, desktop options, which is kind of cool. As well as controlling your, uh, um, your top bar and everything else. Is so there an I mean, option
1: for creating a maximize button? Because I noticed it was yeah, a title yeah. double click and there's no maximize by default.
2: Right. Yeah. That's what I was just saying. Okay. So, yeah, you go into desktop and in your settings, you go to desktop and then desktop options. And down at the bottom is window controls and you can actually flick it to show the maximize button. So, you have all three buttons appear on your windows, which is really nice uh, to kind of get that normal the look and feel that most people, I guess, are used to seeing the three buttons or three options when they open up a window. Uh, The dock allows you to, to, the dock settings allow you to, you know, turn it off, turn it back on, uh, gives you dock visibility, size, and position, as well as uh, the icon alignment on the screen. So uh, this could be useful if you want the dock to appear somewhere else on your screen besides the default, which is at the bottom center of the screen uh, currently as well as you can change the, uh, the size and, and everything else. And if you want the dock to appear on other monitors, so if you have like multiple monitors set up, you can have it set up where it'll show just on your primary. Or you can have it set up to show on all the monitors. Um, so that's, that's kind of a nice thing. I don't know because I don't have it multi-screened right here. I don't know if you can just maybe put it on the secondary as well. It's where it's only on the secondary, not on the primary. So I don't know if that's an option or not, but uh, you can always try that out if that's the case that you're you're in there.
1: Um, one uh, thing I did notice, and I don't know, if, I can't remember if this was across Ubuntu and other distributions, but at least under Windows, if I'm in one workspace and I open an application and then I go to another workspace, and then open an application, it actually opens a new version of that application in that second workspace. In Pop! OS... If I have if I'm in workspace one and the terminal is open, and then I go to workspace two and click on the terminal button, it brings me back to workspace one in the open terminal. I do not like that.
2: Oh. That's interesting. I don't I I really don't even use workspaces. <laughs>
1: well, oh. I don't know if that's a problem. I might have tried. There might be like a right click to bring up the application, a new window in the current workspace or something, but I'm used to just going to a different workspace, doing a left click and having a separate instance, so.
2: So yeah, so if you click the terminal button down at the bottom, because like uh, it shows um, the terminal, Oh, sorry, it shows the application you have running. So uh, if you right click that button down there, you can actually just do a new window and it'll pop a new window into your workspace. So that works as well. If you uh, go into the workspace and you hit your super key and you type in terminal, You'll see that you have your existing terminals that are in there, but you also see an empty one that says, you know, terminal system, use the command line, and that'll actually spawn a new terminal as well. Um, And I'm not sure if that works with other apps. Let's see what I have. Can I pop another one of these? GQRX. Let's see.
1: Another instance for me would be having like separate instances of Chrome running in two different workspaces, because I literally use one workspace for work and one workspace for personal. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, so this seems to be consistent. It'll uh, open up a new, like I just launched a second version of GQRX. So that, that seems to work fine to okay. do that. You just need to pick the one that's not already running in the list when you uh, you start your super key. Or if you uh, just right-click down at the bottom.
1: Yeah, that's just do. a workflow change. Because like I said, yeah. in Windows, a left-click will just bring up a new
2: instance in the current workspace. So, But right-click, I can I can work with that. Yeah, right clicker is super key, and then you can just type it in, just like you would normally. Yeah, because you're like me, you like to keep your hands off the mouse as much as humanly possible. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. So uh, yeah, so there's no other surprises really there. I mean, uh, if you've used Ubuntu or GNOME inside of Fedora or whatever, you know, everything else is pretty much the same. You have the sharing, the displays, and and everything like that. I don't I don't notice anything that uh, sticks out there as Additional customizations, except for possibly um, uh, well, the firmware does show up if you have a, a box that supports the firmware upgrades, and then of course they do have an OS upgrade and recovery button as well. And for your um, system updates, you can you can set your updates in here as well to uh, either run all the time or um, you know weekly or just yeah, uh, notify you. What? My bad. Continue. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pick something while you're talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, it was not me. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, on, on this particular system, I, I went ahead and just set up automatic updates, and there's update when they're available. I have noticed that there's a, there's it, it does send out quite a few updates throughout the week, so uh, you will notice that uh, you'll get the notification at the top uh, that says that, oh, yeah, there's an update available. And uh, you can silence all those uh, notifications as well through uh, just clicking the calendar or the date and time at the very top, and then uh, turn on your Do Not Disturb button, and then you won't get those notifications. Uh, At least they won't, you know, give you a little chat bubble or whatever they call a notification bubble that'll pop up when that occurs. And I think that's pretty consistent inside of uh, GNOME and everything else. I think I even have that set up here on KDE, so no surprises there either. Um. And like we discussed, uh, in the last episode, I mean, the whole reason why Pop! even became a topic is because, you know, it's, it's, it's simple. It's generic. It, you know, people can use it. It seems to run great on hardware, except for Russ's machine. <laughs> no, it runs, <laughs> it runs fine there. It just didn't install fine, which is, which is kind of sad. But I mean, if I can install it on a Sandy Bridge processor still, you know, it, which is old 11 years, I think we looked at that. That was an 11 year old processor. Um, yeah, should run fine on on yours, but there's got to be something just just goofy out of spec that's uh, that's causing that. Um, what else do we have here on the list? Uh, stuff to talk about. So the Pop Shop versus Apt. Uh, Apt works just as you would expect it to work, um, and uh, should get you all the niceties like the Ham Radio Pur- Pure Blend. Uh, the Pop Shop is kind of. Uh, kind of nice. You'll notice that when you search for applications, like if uh, I just type in Discord here, Discord, and I have it search, it's going to uh, find Discord, of course, (laughs) because it's in there, because it's attached to uh, Flathub. So out of the box, uh, uh, Pop! OS supports uh, Flathub. It's not installed by default with Snaps. So, if you happen to want to install a snap, you do have to install snapd first, and then that will give you the availability to install snaps. I do not believe it adds integration into the uh, into the Pop Shop. In fact, I'm going to just kind of dig into the settings real quick because I uh, I didn't even look for this. <laughs> Extra sources, blah 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 blah. Flatpak now. So, a uh, flatpak has its own uh, own little tab inside of. Uh, Inside of the settings for the Pop Shop, uh, I do not see a tab for uh, for snaps, and that might be by uh, by reason because <laughs> they don't want you to put snaps on here. Um, I do actually have snaps installed on my um, on my XPS thirteen, so I know they work fine because I installed Flutter on there, um, and they recommend that gets installed via snap uh, in general for uh, Ubuntu based systems. So. Uh, it doesn't break anything. It, it all worked, so uh, Snap should work fine. If you're used to installing some Snaps or have some you know, Snap applications that you uh, must have, uh, you can definitely just do a sudo apt install uh, snapd, and uh, you can get all those Snaps installed on your machine. Uh, the update uh, in here works pretty well. Uh, it doesn't give you a lot of feedback while it's updating. You click the uh, Installed button. And if there's any updates, it'll actually show you at the very top of the screen. Right now mine says everything's up to date, so I don't see anything there. But there's not really I mean it does give you like a progression dialogue and if you click the update it'll have like a bunch of stuff rolled into operating system updates. And that's where you'll see if you click it, you'll actually see the individual items inside of that update that are getting updated. Some some people like you know, like us, you know, we like we like running apt, apt update and up upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> so we can kind of see what's going on. Uh, you can still do that, uh, much like Ubuntu. Ubuntu has the same thing where, you know, the software center will will, will drive all the updates there as well. But uh, you can definitely update stuff via the command line uh, with no issues whatsoever. Um, the ham radio figure blend we kind of talked about, that installs without issue, of course, for CQR log lovers. Um, you do want to make sure that MariaDB server is installed. And that's, that's real easy to do after the fact or before the fact. Um, and that'll take care of the MySQL issue that will be present there. And uh, just like we learned on the uh, latest uh, release for Ubuntu, you do have to disable SVX link, SVX link GPIO, something, something, and uh, remote TRX. Otherwise, your sound system will be gone. Did you remember to do that on yours? <laughs> I did.
1: I I disabled okay. <laughs> the uh, the two SVX Link ones and remote TRX, and I uh, kicked uh, remote or radio clock to the curb because that doesn't install at all. Yeah, and
2: that kind of bombs out. Yeah.
1: So I did that, and everything was fine after that. Of course, still have the reboot issue, but you know it it's working. It's working.
2: <laughs> yeah, and like uh, like I said, I did uh, I did uh, play around with GQRX here with my uh, my RTL SDR, and that worked uh, you know pretty much flawlessly. I didn't have to do anything extra. I didn't have to install any device parameters or anything else like that. That just worked. I was just uh, listening to some FM radio before the podcast here. So that worked fine. I'm still, I mean, I'm still really happy with it. I know you ran into those issues, and uh, I don't know if that would be a showstopper. Um, if that was more prevalent, where like you could see a hundred search results, or a thousand search results for that. <laughs> um, I would say it's probably a, a huge issue, uh, but hopefully, uh, people wouldn't experience that out of the box in general, unless they had maybe a particular combination of hardware that uh, that would put you into that predicament.
1: Yeah, I might look and see if there's a firmware update for that machine because it might be a firmware issue. It might have something to do with The hardware itself i I kind of was leading myself down that path earlier in this discussion thinking that it has to be something specific to the pc that i'm dealing with i have not tried to install it on something else i've got a dell convertible laptop here that i think i want to use it it's not really a deal breaker for me i mean i can work around the problem but i think something coming into it and experiencing that it might be a deal breaker for them oh yeah it'd be a huge turnoff yeah but I mean I'm I'm more than willing to use it the way it is. And I'm certainly interested in talking with the system seventy six team and see if they can can analyze it or, or do something to figure out what's causing the issue.
2: Yeah. Might be good to maybe just drop an issue on their GitHub for Pop OS and start there and see if there's anybody else that may be just in there. Because I'm not sure if those get completely um completely searched or indexed by the search engines or not, the individual issues on side of GitHub's. But, I mean, you mentioned a convertible. The the XPS 13 I have is a convertible. Uh, The only thing that doesn't uh, work right when you flip over the screen is flipping the camera. So (laughs) we found that out the other day (coughs) in a Discord call. So it will not flip the camera even by stopping and restarting the camera by default, um, which does work fine inside of uh, a Windows environment on that particular machine. But I would assume that would be uh, a few people would have that particular Requirement <laughs> to work, and I'm sure a few extra settings can probably flip that camera over uh, without a problem. Uh, but the screen, you know, does does exactly what it should. When I rotate the computer sideways, it actually flips the screen to a portrait mode. Uh, when I flip the uh, the screen around to the back, it flips it into tablet mode. The touch uh, the touch keyboard comes up perfectly and instantly and uh, works really well the only thing I've noticed occasionally flipping back and forth between the versions um, going from tablet mode to regular mode is sometimes the mouse disappears it's still there but it doesn't show up because it still assumes you're you know using the touchscreen because this also is a touchscreen computer um, but it, the mouse does eventually show back up it, uh, it just seems like there's like a, a slight delay there so that's like the only real oddity I've noticed in a convertible uh, PC environment where you, where you have that kind of, you know, software requirement, hardware requirement. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. I like it. <laughs> I still think it's uh, it's, it's pretty much a, a great example of, uh, of how GNOME should be uh, kind of set up out of the box. Um, I wish, uh, you know, the straight GNOME came kind of this way because then everyone would have, <laughs> you wouldn't have to search around trying to find, oh, are you on the current extensions or the, the no no extensions, or are we going to have extensions in the future? Um, that's always been a concern with GNOME users is that uh, you know user extensions sort of get left behind occasionally on the version changes. And uh, there's always talk of, yeah, well, if it's not a built-in feature, they're not going to allow it or whatever, although that hasn't really come to fruition. But it is uh, it has gone through some breaking pain trying to keep a, a dock you know, a, a, what is it called? A dash to dock. Yeah, I think it's dash to dock um, extension working, although I think it works fine in my the version I have running on Fedora 36. Um, I haven't run. Is, are they at the Fedora 37 now? I don't even know. I don't know. I haven't looked at Fedora in a long, long time. So that's, that's your thing. That's my thing. It's <laughs> <That's> your thing. <laughs> of course, that's my thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even sure. Let's see. No, it's still 36. So yeah, so that should work fine too, dash to dock there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what else to share about PopOS besides you should just give it a try and and see what you think and see if um, you know, we didn't break the interwebs by saying that it's it's probably one of the the better distros to to use. If you're satisfying those those five requirements that we uh, we mentioned on the last podcast, uh, we didn't get any hate mail yet, right? No, no, no feedback no, that was negative. No negative okay. feedback. And
1: and by the way, if anybody who is uh, related to or working for System seventy six hears this, I would love to see how it works on some uh, you know donor hardware. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'll give I'll give it a run if you want to send some some hardware this way. I want to see how it works on a native system seventy six machine. So <laughs> Sure it works flawless. Just, just saying we have all yeah.
2: the bells and whistles on there. No, I'll take I'll take back
1: anything I said about, you know, uh installation issues.
2: <laughs> yeah. And of course it comes on the HP Dev One as well. So there's another PC that is coming from the factory with the Pop OS installed. So that's that's nice to have as well, so you know if uh h p is putting it on their enterprise level you know laptops uh it's probably not a bad deal
1: no and i I really do like it the look and feel is is really nice I think they've done a great job with the gnome desktop and tooling it to make it really usable and really friendly to to an average user. Everything is there keyboard shortcuts are nice um the installation procedure is really good the post installation wizard's really nice and it really does get everything set up for you and working. And it's, it does just enough handholding to make it nice. And it it does do a couple of things in like weird places. Like it sets the user after the installation, not before, or like during, you know, the main installation part and stuff like that. Same thing with time zone. So if you're, if you're used to doing those things in a certain order, don't, don't script it and expect pop OS to work because it's different, (laughs) but you know, Overall, it's very intuitive and and I liked it a lot and it's it's operating fine, you know as long as I don't have to reboot my machine, everything's cool
2: <laughs> one caveat right? yeah. Just don't turn it off <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well, I think that's uh I, mean, I think that's all we really have on it i mean we we definitely would appreciate any feedback um this obviously is not a sponsored <laughs> sponsor chat on system 76 or pop os um and uh obviously i'm running on dell and now lenovo hardware so uh two vendors that uh, they have not made an agreement with so uh yeah so it does work uh fine on other machines except for russ's which is which is <laughs> a
1: dell so you know it's
2: yeah it should just work right god it's a dell and oh, jeez. you should probably see the firmware updater in that That should i might actually have that on there they, Dell does support uh, the Linux firmware, vendor f- firmware support.
1: It did pop up an update to firmware, but it was only for the unifying receiver. So that's oh. that's the only one I, that popped up so far.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, I can always hope, right?
1: Well, I can, I can <laughs> dig into it. I, I need to check the. I'll just check against the Dell website to see if my BIOS revision and my firmware is current on the machine anyway. And if not, I'll use the out of band updater and see if that fixes anything. But.
2: Yeah, well, I don't have anything more on it if, uh, if you don't have anything. No,
1: I think we've covered it pretty well. I mean, if you're if you're at all used to Ubuntu or GNOME or any of the distributions that we generally talk about, Pop! OS is going to feel very natural, and it has a few other nice features and a few things that are changed between one and the other, but I think they're all intuitive, and uh, you should have a good experience. So I think our choice was pretty good.
2: Good. I'm, cl- I'm glad we weren't, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> blowing smoke up everybody's ears. <laughs> ears. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a podcast. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah,
1: well, you know, it's 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 got an explicit tag on iTunes. We're We're good.
2: We're good. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I don't I didn't have anything else to say about that, so we can move on to announcements and feedback. Uh there has been no feedback since the last episode, and I don't have any announcements unless you've got something.
2: Nothing I can think of.
1: All right, so let's move on. Are we, uh, did we talk at all about QSO today?
2: Are we doing anything? Is that like I didn't? I didn't do anything. I'm. I. I. Yeah. I just. I'm running out of bandwidth for extra stuff. Yeah, I, I'm.
1: I'm <laughs> way out of extra bandwidth for that kind of stuff. So. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'd love to put together something just for the poster thing, but I just don't foresee it actually occurring. In order for it to happen in time and to get up there and stuff like that, so. So yeah, so but uh, do uh, do participate in that. If you uh, enjoy that uh, event, it's uh coming up here in about a couple weeks. September uh let's see, I can bring it up from our last notes right uh 477. Was it 17th yeah. and 18th or 17th? Yeah, seven, September 17th and 18th. Uh tickets are $10. And if you're a Ute, you can uh, you can get it for free. You just need to contact them, and uh, or your parent or guardian has to contact them, and uh, they'll get you all set up. So uh, check that out at the Ham What QSO Today Ham Radio Expo. That's what it uh, is. Yeah. yeah, QSO Today okay. Ham Expo I think they left the
1: radio out of the URL because it was oh, okay. long enough.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long URL. <laughs>
1: All right. Very good. So, yeah, make sure you participate in that if you're interested. You know, Eric puts a lot of effort into these, and this is what, the fourth or fifth one? No? I've yeah, lost count. Know. So at,
2: at least the fourth. At least the fourth, right. <laughs> at least the fourth.
1: <laughs> All right. Very good. So, with that, we'll go down to our new subscribers, supporters, and live participants section of the show, and we'll tell you who signed up this week. We have on Facebook, Thumbia Sothillingham. Theodore Tarnavan, Theron Vishnu Nair, Arnie Russell, Satyadev Vyas, and Steve Ennis. And on Twitter, we have Rhythm Tech. And on Discord, we had a few folks: Jim N3JLN, W7GXJ, Nolan, Chris KU7PDX, and Yeti. On the mailing list, we had aj 4 or sorry, AG4KN sign up. And on the live chat tonight. We had with us Tony N0WJE, Don KB2YSI, and Steve KJ5T. So, I thank everybody who signed up and joined our social media platforms and who were with us in the live recording tonight. We appreciate that. And of course, we appreciate everybody who downloads and listens to the show. If you want to send us feedback, please do info at LHSpodcast.info or one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. We'd like to hear from you. And, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close this one out, and we'll catch you next week for a short topics episode. No, we won't catch you next week. There's an announcement right there because uh. <laughs> we we will be recording next week, but it will be on Tuesday the sixth. If I have the day correct,
2: because yeah, that sounds right. I think that's what we agreed
1: to. Yeah, because the 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 two of us, Cheryl and I, will not be present for the weekend. So I believe we are going to do our short topics episode recording on the 6th and the episode should be released on the normal dates. So all right. With that, let's go ahead and get on out of here and let everybody go on and get to their regular lives and we hope to see you next week. This has been episode number 479 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ K5TUX for the absent W5MOO and I'm
2: Bill ne 4rd 73
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com-lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine 909 lhs show That's one 547 7469 Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.